This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. We see in Genesis how God created the world uh, and everything was good. He spoke and the light came into being. He spoke and told the, the land to separate from the waters and everything uh, happened in his word and, and uh, how he formed human beings, uh, man out of, out of uh, the dust of the ground and uh, breathed into him the breath of life and everything was good. Um, and how he uh, took Eve from the, from the side of, of Adam and, and uh, created them in a paradise to live with him forever. And everything was designed to be good. Uh, everything was designed to be perfect. There was no coronavirus, okay? There was, there was no sickness. There was no uh, uh, old age uh, pains. There, there was no um, injuries. There was nothing that could, um, that could get to them, uh, nothing that would, would interfere with their health and happiness. Um, and yet God gave them this rule, this one rule, that they were not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And um, uh, last week at Redeemer, we looked at, at uh, chapter 3 as a whole and, and, and looked at the, the story, the narrative there where um, the serpent came to Eve and tempted her. Uh, he, he lied to her. He twisted God's word. Whenever he, he said, did God really say you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Um, and and, and um, you know the story just as, as well as I, I preached it last week at Redeemer. Um, but uh, um, Eve listened to the serpent instead of listening to God. Uh, she partook of this fruit. She gave some to her husband and they realized they were naked. They were immediately filled with shame and they tried to hide themselves. And God came um, uh, as he would uh, come, come uh, among the cool of the day uh, looking for Adam. And at, he said, Adam, where are you? And Adam responds, well, I was afraid and because I heard the sound of you in the garden and I, because I was naked and I hid myself. And God says, well, who told you you were naked? Uh, and of course, God knew, God knew uh, that the answer to that question, he knew where Adam was and, and he asked that question for our benefit as we read it, but also for Adam's benefit so that he would wake up to where he was, right? Um, and, and as we know the story, he, he comes through these questions and, and, and he, he asks, you know, Adam, um, did you do this? And Adam says, well, it was her fault, <laughs> right? It was her fault. And she, he, he asks, uh, the woman, he asks, you know, did, did you do this that, uh, of what I've commanded you not to do? And she says, well, it was the serpent, right? It was his fault. Um, and uh, we come now to chapter verses um, 14 through 19, where there is this, uh, if, you, if you look in your Bibles, most, most modern translations, I don't know what the King James does, they kind of show this in... Uh, like a poetic form, you can kind of see how it's laid out in stanzas. Um, 
And uh, so this is the curse that God puts upon the serpent and upon the ground that, that, um, uh, that affects um, the world as we know it today. We, we once had a perfect paradise to live in, and because of that, our first parent's sin and the fact that sin entered the world through one man, just as Tom had read, um, we have now the experience of death and sickness and coronavirus and the flu and any number of different maladies. So let's look at our text. Uh, we'll be reading from 14 through 19 on the curse that God gave. The Lord said, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman, he said, I, shall, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to, and to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall bring, for, shall it, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. But by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes. Uh, Lord, that you would help us to see and to hear your voice as we look into your word today. Lord, we need a word from you in these uncertain times. Uh, there is uncertainty, there is fear in our society, there is um, So much sickness and death and so much pain. And Lord, we need your word. We need to trust in your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to trust you, to look to your word, to listen to your voice, uh, that we might have true peace. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, beginning, uh, God speaks to the serpent first. And notice he, he does this in uh, reverse order from what was preceding it. You know, first he came to Adam, and then he came to Eve, and then he came to the serpent. Uh, and we see the reverse here um, whenever he says, uh, this is what he says to the serpent. Because you have done this. He puts a curse on the serpent. Now he uses that word, a curse. He, uh, he, he curses the serpent. He, he says that it, it should be cursed above all the beasts of the field. Uh, you, on your belly you shall go. Now some have uh, suggested, uh, made the, made the uh, um, 
the guess that possibly before this time that the serpent uh, would have had four legs. Uh, The text doesn't tell us this, um, but um, from this point at least, uh, the, the serpent would go around on its belly and would eat the dust. Um, but what we really want to pay attention to here is verse 15. Uh, this is probably the verse that I go back to more than any other verse. You've probably heard me talk about this verse before uh, because in many different sermons that I've preached, I always kind of go back to this verse here because it is so foundational for the rest of the whole biblical story. Um, We see here, uh, it it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the snake here. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Now, um, my Bible has a a little number one uh, footnote here. And uh, maybe yours has something similar. If you look at the footnote, it'll say seed, okay? Between your offspring or between your seed and her seed. And if if you are uh, uh, paying close attention there, you'll notice it is a singular. Now, oftentimes we we think of, of of seed or offspring as kind of a collective singular, um, but there is, there's, Something we need to notice about this. It is a singular. He doesn't say seeds in the plural. He doesn't say offspring in the plural, but he says that in the singular. The reason I think we should pay close attention to that is because Paul makes a big deal out of this. Um, uh, When um, Paul writes to the Galatians in chapter two, I might be a little bit around uh, going around the, the Bible a little bit today. But in Galatians chapter 2, he's talking about Abraham here, but, in, but both Abraham and here in, in the curse and in other places, we see this same phenomenon, uh, and it's the same author, for Genesis in particular, it's the same author, but we know that, the, that God wrote the whole Bible, that there's a, there's a divine author as well as a human author. And uh, Paul says about Abraham, it doesn't say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. So even Paul here is making, drawing attention to the fact that the author of Genesis is very purposeful whenever he says to your offspring or to your seed, not just to uh, offspring plural, but it, it is a singular here. Now I, I, draw, I, I make that point because let's go back to what he's saying. I will put enmity between you and the woman, that's the serpent and the woman, and between your offspring, singular, and her offspring, singular. There is someone who's coming, a descendant of Eve. Um, the, next verse, the next part here says, he shall bruise your head. It's a, again, a, a singular there. He, he shall bruise your head. Um, it's not a plural, speaking of the offsprings, it is a he. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Speaking to the serpent there. So he's looking forward to a time when the serpent will do something to this seed of the woman. He will bruise his heel. 
Whereas the, the seed of the woman, this offspring who is to come, will come and he will bruise the serpent's head. Or that word has a, has a range of meaning that can even mean crush. It's the same word used both for the serpent and for the seed of the woman. But the, the range of the meaning there is such that it might be kind of a, a pun. Uh, meaning crush the serpent's head whenever he's talking about the, the seed of the woman doing so and, and, and uh, bruise as being something less serious, something that he would recover from when it comes to the seed of the woman. I, this has been seen throughout church history and I believe it was also seen by those in Old Testament times who were looking forward to a Messiah as the first mention of, of a promise of a Messiah to come. And, and as the, the, the Old Testament uh, unfolds throughout the rest of, of uh, the revelation we see in the Old Testament, there, there is a continual uh, pointing back to the seed, the promise of the seed. We see it um, in Abraham which Paul wrote about in Galatians, about how he was promised that he would have a descendant, a seed who would bless every nation. And we see it as it goes forward to, to, uh, to this, this line that's carried out um, of, of, a, of a promise that would come to Judah's family. Judah's family at the end of the book of Genesis and how... how um, the, the promise was, was passed over Simeon and Levi, who were his older brothers. But this promise of, of a scepter that would not depart from Judah. This one who would have a, a, a kings that would come from his line. And we look forward to, to David, who then is promised a seed, an offspring, a son who would someday come and who would sit on his throne and his kingdom would never pass away. And we pick right up at the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew with the very same thing, with the ge genealogy uh, pointing uh, from, from Adam all the way to Jesus Christ, who was the son of David. This, the whole Bible holds together with, with this, this narrative structure where we're, we're looking forward to the seed of the woman who would come and who would crush the serpent's head. So in this, these first words that, that God gives to the serpent in what is a curse, we also see a promise of salvation. I have a friend that uh, um, was my Sunday school teacher when I was in seminary. He t now teaches there at, at uh, where I went to seminary. And he, his first big book that he wrote, other than his dissertation, was... Uh, God's glory in salvation through judgment. And he, he, he points out how, how in all of the Bible, uh, the, the big overarching theme is how God would be glorified in salvation through judgment. And we see that right here. There is judgment pronounced upon the serpent and there is a promise of salvation that is right in the midst of it. Um, verse 16 to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Notice what it doesn't say. To the serpent, he said, cursed. 
But to the woman, he did not curse the woman, did he? He doesn't say, cursed are you. He doesn't say that. He only says that to the serpent here at this point. But what he does say, as a consequence of her actions, um, we already know, he said, in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. And and what what we saw there, though, when she ate of it, instead of immediately falling over dead, um, instead her eyes were opened and she was filled with shame. Uh, I think what we see there whenever, God did not lie, he did not deceive them, but he, he, they, they, in the moment that they ate it, they really did have the sentence of death that was, that was pronounced upon them. In the moment that they disobeyed God, their, their bodies began to decay. It began to age. They began to, to experience the things that we are so familiar with now. But God does pronounce some changes that take place from this perfect paradise where everything seems to be uh, easy into this new era because of the consequences of sin. He says, I shall surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Ladies who've had children, <laughs> um, you know the pain that there is there, uh, and, and uh, that is a consequence of the fall. Um, who knows what it would have been like had Adam and Eve never, felt, have, never fell. Uh, there, there would still be childbearing, but it would not be the kind of, of pain and agony um, that, that uh, we know now because of the fall. Um, But then in the second line, it says, in pain, you shall bring forth children. There's a consequence of judgment, right? There's there's pain in childbearing. But at the same time, in pain, you shall bring forth offspring. You shall bring forth a seed. Just like he said to the serpent. There'll be enmity between... Your seed, the serpent's seed, and her seed. Here to the woman, he's saying, you will bring forth children. You will bring forth a seed. And, and uh, you know, in, um, um, I don't remember if it's Timothy or in Corinthians, Paul talks about how in uh, a woman shall be saved in childbirth. Uh, you know, some people are, are, are uh, really shocked at that and wonder, well, what does he mean by that? Does that mean that, uh, 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 that somehow women are saved by, by uh, just being housewives and, and, uh, and raising children? Well, actually, I think that's a reference back to this right here. The, there, a woman will be saved through childbearing is a point back, pointing back to the fact that uh, in that very first promise of the gospel in Genesis, um, how is it that, that salvation is spoke of? It's through the fact that the woman would bear a child who would then um, be the savior of the world, who would be Jesus Christ, who would come and crush the serpent's head. In pain you will bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. Uh, What we also see here in the fall is a distortion of the relationship between man and woman. There was supposed to be perfect harmony. There was supposed to be um, uh, 
a mutual uh, love and respect that would have no um, uh, distrust, that would have no, no, um, no negative things that would be entering into this relationship at all. But because of the fall, there's a distortion of that perfect design. And so we see here the battle of the sexes begins in Genesis 3. You have, your desire shall be contrary to your husband. You can just hear sing, uh, Eve saying, I can do anything you can do better. No, you can't. Yes. <laughs> there, there is a, a beginning right here with the fall. Uh, 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 God says that because of the fall, there, that the woman's temptation may be to supplant her husband's authority that was given in creation. To supplant that, to try to, to, uh, to um, be the, the leader in the home, not the way that God designed it to be. And at the same time, he says that, that um, he shall rule over you. Well, I think this is, this is a sense in which there is a distortion here. And, and uh, men will then have the, the temptation, the, the, the prevalency to abuse their wives, to, to put them down, to, to rule with an iron fist in a way that they should not do. Sin has then crept into the relationship that God designed to be good. God designed marriage and family to be a good thing for there to be paradise, for there to be the, the harmony within that relationship. And yet because of the fall, there is a distortion of that relationship. You have uh, competition between both partners. You have uh, all kinds of confusion that goes about the, the roles of men and women, both in the home and in society. And we can see the seeds of that and, and how, how they have uh, crept out in society today where there is a distortion, where people want to even deny that there's, a gen there's such a thing as gender in itself. Oh, there's no such thing as man or woman. There's just this range of masculine and, and feminine, and people can be all kinds of different places along that hogwash. <laughs> God created man and woman in his image, male and female, he created them. But as a consequence of the fall, we see this distortion and this confusion of gender and the roles that he's given us. Verse 17, and to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, not, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Notice again. To the serpent, he said, cursed are you. To the woman, he doesn't say the word cursed. And to the man, whenever he says the word cursed, he does not curse the man. He says, cursed is the ground because of you. So in the consequences of, of the fall, he does not curse Adam himself, but he curses the ground. And he says, in pain you shall eat of the ground all the days of your life. Um, in the garden, in that paradise, there, there was supposed to be a, a way in which... It, all the, 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 the plants and everything were just watered automatically. The fruits were, were just going to come right off the trees. And it was just a perfect paradise. You didn't have to. I mean, there was supposed to be work. 
There was some, Adam was put there to work the ground and to keep it, to keep the garden. But it wasn't supposed to be this, this frustration in our labor. It was supposed to be a, a, a kind of, of thing that you do it out of the pleasure of, of just, you know, it's like when you're garden in your retirement. <laughs> and, and you don't have to, you know, you're not, you're not necessarily dependent upon those things, but you just love to see the plants grow. And, you know, uh, that kind of, of uh, even better than that. Because at the, there was no weeds, there was no, there was no thorns and thistles and everything, but everything just grew. But because of the fall, the ground was cursed uh, and, and it would be a frustration and a pain that we would have to go through of, of um, um, harvesting and, uh, and the work that we would do. It says, verse, uh, verse 18, thorns and thistles that shall produce for you. You know, you, you plant good seeds and all of a sudden thistles and thorns come up. You plant the bean field and you've got all kinds of morning glories and everything going up and you've got to go through and, and cut all the, the, uh, the, the uh, weeds out before you can put the combine through. Thorns and thistles that shall bring forth for you and you shall eat of the plants of the field. You know, before the fall here, um, God had told Adam and Eve they could eat from any tree of the garden. And now they're told they will eat of the plants of the field. Um, it, it, it's a different, uh, different terminology that's used there. Instead of having everything just provided for them in the garden, they had to go out to the field, to the, to the wild place and cultivate it so that they could eat of the plants of the field. It says, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. It takes labor, it takes work in this new era, new, I mean, as of from the paradise that God had created to the, the, the after the fall case. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. He reminds Adam, just like he was taken out of the ground, he was, he was formed out of the dust of the ground, and God breathed the, the breath of life into him. He says, you know, what? I was telling the truth when I said, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you will die, because one of these days you are going to go back to the dust that you came from. And each one of us experiences that. Each one of us, if, if, if the Lord is and he doesn't come back uh, in our lifetimes, we'll all be put in a box and we'll be put in the ground and our bodies will decay. And one of these days, all that's going to be left is a bunch of dust. So here we see the, 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 the consequences of the fall. We, we were thrown out of the garden, it says later on, but, but there in the midst of those consequences, there is a promise of salvation. There is one who is going to come, who is going to crush the serpent's head. I told you um, Galatians chapter 2, uh, you know, it points for, it, it talks about how, how this seed is a singular and how it's pointing to Jesus, the whole Old Testament uh, is, is 
all, I think, centered around the promise of this serpent, the seed of the woman who's coming and who's going to crush the serpent's head. And in the New Testament, we see Jesus came. He was that one who was promised from the very beginning. He was that one who would come and he would crush the serpent's head. He, was, he lived a perfect, sinless life. And though he was perfect and though he was sinless, though he did not fail to the, the temptation like Adam did, he went to the cross and he suffered and he died on our behalf. He was innocent and he took our punishment for us. And in so doing, he rose from the dead on the third day, crushing the last enemy, which is death. And he's called us to believe on him. He gives this salvation freely open to anyone who would believe in him. He calls us to take this gospel to the ends of the earth so that the waters, so that the knowledge of the Lord would cover the earth just as the waters cover the sea. And in this era, the book of Romans ends with a description that I'll end with here. I want to read it. Romans chapter 16 and verse 20 says this. This is where we stand now. After the cross, as believers in Jesus, he says, in verse 20 of Romans 16, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What is it that we gain when we believe on Jesus and we receive this forgiveness? He says we shall be called sons of God. And we live in this era as believers who are children of God in a way that unbelievers aren't. We have, 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 have taken on a nature with Christ. He is the seed who the, the promise was pointing forward to. But we are now co-heirs with him. And as such, we now, as we battle in this world, we have a promise that while we see coronavirus in this world, while we see all kinds of, of, of sin and sickness and death and all the negative consequences of the fall, we look forward to a time whenever the God of peace will soon crush Satan, that old serpent of old, under your feet. Amen.